Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, come on. Good morning, everybody. You guys happy to be in God's house this morning? Come on, why don't you give it up for Jesus one time in this place? You're worthy, Lord. Come on, we don't meet around a philosophy. We meet around a person named Jesus. And so if you're here for principle or philosophies, those things are great. But Jesus, the person, is greater. And uh, I'm so thankful that uh, we get to gather together and uh, lift up his name today. Uh, How many of you enjoyed last week Five and Five? Can we give it up for all the Five and Five speakers? You guys killed it, did an amazing job. Uh, I'm so honored to be a part of a church that it's not about one gift or one person. It's about all of us. And I don't know about you, but I'm filled up again after worship today. Come on. This place was shaken. The Bible says they met together and the, and, and, and the whole place was shaken and they were filled with the spirit again. I hope you can leave here filled up with the spirit again. If my preaching's not good, worship was. And so it's a good morning already. Uh, we're starting a new series, and um, I'm excited to be back uh, bringing the word. I uh, take July a little bit of time off, and uh, I'm kind of here and around, but I'm not preaching as much. And so I'm charged up. Probably going to preach to you for about an hour and a half today. And uh, and so we're going. We're going. I'm going to land the. Pl- I landed the plane about 17 times in first service. Um, we're starting a series called Devoted. And uh, took it from a specific passage, the thought or theme. If you're new to our community, uh, we gather around collections of talks called series. And um, a lot of times they're thematic. Uh, sometimes we'll gather around a specific book of the Bible. Uh, this theme, devoted, comes from 1 Corinthians 16, 15, where Paul's speaking and he uses this word devoted. And many times we wonder, uh, what is devoted? What is devotion? We hear, uh, i got to do my devo. Is that my seven minutes in the Psalms? I, I don't know if that's all that that includes. I think, I think there's more to devote. And so Paul says this, I urge you, brethren, this is in the New King James, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, his family got saved first is what he's saying, and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. The word ministry uh, just means, it's diakonos, it, it, means, um, it means serving, serving the saints, servants. When you hear, oh, there are ministers, that just means they're servants. There's no professional ministers. There's a ministry for everybody in this room. We all have a ministry to serve into. And so, and so it says they've devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. There's a stronger translation in the King James Version. Come on, we're my King Jimmy people. Thee and thou. Uh, this is what it says. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves. And that they have addicted themselves to the service of the saints. Paul goes on to say, follow those type of people, submit to those type of people, Uh, follow their lead, Uh, pattern your life after those type of people who have addicted themselves to the service of the saints. And, uh, and so my title for today is I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to this. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that we could be changed today. I thank you for addictions and devotions that point to you today. I thank you to, that you would break every addiction and devotion that's not founded and grounded in you. I thank you that your word produces a harvest in our life. Thank you. You've already filled us up. You said you inhabit your praise, our praise. You're here. And so we're here for you, not a principle, not a performance. We're here for you, Jesus. We thank you that you were lifted up on that cross. You've already been lifted up. We don't have to sing harder. You've already been lifted up. You did it on that tree. 
And so we thank you that all people would be drawn to what you offer today. In Jesus' name, amen? I'm addicted to this. I don't know. Anybody got any addictions in the house? Come on. Uh, uh, I don't know. You can, I'm going to preach to myself today. We've got one honest person. Thank you, brother. I got my hand up with you. And um, we, we all have different types of addictions. And um, some of them are, are holy. Some of them are not. I don't know what yours are. I'm not going to put them on the screen today. Um, but, but I looked up some strange addictions. There was one lady. She was addicted to eating pillow foam. She just ate her pillow. Um, one person, I found all this on the internet, so you know it's true. One person was addicted to eating sand. They eat sand. And so to satisfy that, they chew sandpaper, actually will chew and graze on sandpaper. Um, I don't know about that. That's is less calories, but it's not uh, very good. Uh, drinking one, one girl drank air freshener. She would spray air freshener over ice and would drink and eat the ice in the air freshener. Um, all types of crazy addictions. I didn't get too far down the rabbit hole because you could imagine, um, but there's food addictions. Come on. Anybody addicted to cookies? Somebody, I, I got, I, I, I'm addicted to caramel cheddar popcorn, the combo. I don't, I can't remember the brand. My, my wife buys pops, something, something pops. What's it called? Boom chicka pop. She buys boom chicka pop. Do you know how big those bags are? Do you know how many servings are in that bag? One. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're right here. I'm addicted. Sugar. Sugar's more addictive than heroin. You know, that's what they say. There's so many hobbies, habits, hangups that we get addicted to. And uh, here's the reality. Uh, God created you as a creature of addiction. God designed you as a creature of devotion. You were created to be addicted. It's a scary word to us because we know the implications of the negative addictions. But the reality is Paul says that these men and women, this family had addicted themselves to the service of God's people, the service of God's house. Here's what the word addiction means in that translation. Uh, It's the word tasso in the Greek, T-A-S-S-O. It just simply literally means to arrange one's life in orderly manner. To, to, to arrange one's life in a certain way uh, to be devoted to something, to, to bring an arrangement. How many know it takes order and arrangement to be addicted? Everybody says that addicts have very disorderly lives. No, they don't. If you've known an addict, I've been an addict. If you've known an addict every morning, come on, anybody can testify. Every morning you get up thinking about the addiction. You get up figuring out how to feed it, how to pay for it, how to order your life around it. There's order and organization around addiction. And what God is saying is that we're called to addict ourselves to the right things. My question, going back into fall, going back into this new season, going back into whatever endeavor you find yourself heading into, that we would take the energies we're supposed to take and pour them into being addicted to the things we're designed to be devoted to, the things that God wants us to be devoted to. I've got a a golf addiction. Come on, anybody? Uh, Where are my hunter addictions, my fishing addictions. Come on, you guys. And and to be addicted, can I tell you how orderly my life has to be to be addicted to golf? Uh, Because I have to go get my wife and give her a list of all the chores that I'm going to do and all the order I'm going to bring in the house to go disappear for four hours and go play golf. And, and so she, we got a good deal worked out now. She's like, man, all these things are getting done a lot around the house. I'm like, you're letting me play a lot of golf. 
And there's just, there's this organization in order. And so I want to talk to us about what do we do first? How do we addict our lives first and foremost? As I began to ask God about this series, God, where do you want me to start? There's so many things that we should be devoted to. Where should I start? I was like, do I start with the promises of God? They're yes and amen to all of us and your family and your children. That's powerful. And God was speaking to me. I said, do I start with purpose? And I actually had a whole message designed around being addicted to purpose because how important is your purpose? And it's important. And are we going to be a, we're a purpose-driven church and a purpose-driven life? And are we going to be purpose-driven? Are we going to be addicted to purity, the power of God, all the things I began to ask God? And I was settled on purpose in the Holy Spirit as I was praying and, and working. The, the Holy Spirit said, no, I need you to start out with being addicted to my presence. I need you to start your life and your devotion and your, your organization of your day being addicted to the presence of God. Some of us in worship set this morning, we're a little uncomfortable. You're not used to longer worship. You're like, man, this is going long. I'm singing it again. Open up my heart. <laughs> Some of y'all, first service, he stopped singing for a minute. We kind of just, it just got a little quiet, a little, little holy in the room. I was, I got a little uncomfortable. I'm like, man, they're not singing. <laughs> then I was like, okay, Lord, we're not used to to just being addicted to his presence, just being devoted to his presence. Just, just we're, in a, we're in a culture of grind, and, and he's doing his thing, and they're grinding, and they're working, and, and go. What about just sitting and, and, and being in his presence? First and foremost, devoted, addicted first to his presence. Every morning, great worship set. Pastor Justin, come on, can we get up for our worship team? And our, thanks for leading us, man. And I, I, listen, he, he would give, he's the most humble dude. He give the praise to God. But I mean, he's pouring his life. He's pouring his life out up here. And some of y'all are like, what is this about? I don't know about this presence thing. I'm putting my hands up. And I, I just, some of us just need to get comfortable going, okay, I'm going to sit in this. In the Old Testament, every morning in the wilderness, manna dropped from heaven. The Bible says they went out and received it, collected it. And if they didn't, it went bad. It rotted. Then Jesus says, behold, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. Can I tell you that bread's fallen whether you get it and receive it or not? Bread's fallen every day. Bread is coming down from heaven every day. God has something for you to grab a hold of and come and sit with him and get every day. I need to be addicted. Uh, uh, Moses was addicted. This is what he said in Exodus 33, 12 through 13. We talked as a staff about this the other day in our staff meeting. Exodus 33, 12 through 13, Moses said, this is in the message translation, so everybody that gets going to get mad about that, that's okay. It's still the Bible. Uh, the message, God said this, Moses is speaking, look, God, you tell me to lead this people, but you don't let me know whom you're going to send with me. Moses was still insecure. He always dealt with insecurity. He goes, who are you going to send with me? How are you going to help me? He, he says, God, you tell me, I know you well, and you're special to me. If I'm so special to you, God, then let me in on your plans. That way, I'll continue being special to you. Don't forget, this is your people. This is your responsibility. Don't forget, God, you got me into this. God said, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. Somebody needs to hear that. God's presence is with you. You don't need anything else but his presence. He'll see the journey to the end. He'll fulfill his promise. He'll take care of you. He'll see. You don't need their help, their help, their help. Their... You need God's presence first and foremost. He'll see the journey to the end. Moses said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, call this trip off right now. God, I, 
That's Moses right there, addicted to the prayer. God, I don't want the promise, because he had a promised land. We've got promises. You've got good promises. I've got promises. But God, if you don't lead me to him, I don't want to get him in my own strength. I don't want the promise without the presence. I'm addicted to the promise, God. Call it off. How else will it be known that you're with me? How else will it be known that we're your people? Are you traveling with us or not? How else will we know that we're special? And I and your people among all the other people on this planet are special. Can I tell you that the only thing that differentiates you from the world is not your success, is not your wallet, is not how much you've grinded and picked yourself up from the ashes, how much you've done. And it's not about how, how great your family is and how, how drama free your life is. No, the only thing great that the world is going to see that makes us special is God's presence. That's the differentiator. Moses says, I, I can't go. And God says, it's all right. Just as you say, this also I'll do. For I know you well and you're special to me. I know you by name. Moses is saying, I don't want to be devoted to the promise. I don't want to be devoted to leading all these people. I don't want to be devoted to my influence. And I don't want to be devoted to the power. I'm devoted to your presence, God. And I know that's what makes me special. I want us, me, Jamie, as a husband, as a leader, as a father, as a pastor, as someone with influence, whatever that looks like in my life, to be devoted first and foremost in this season of my life to your presence, oh God. I need your presence. I need your presence. I want to be a presence-driven church. We got an encounter on Wednesday night. It's going to be amazing. We're going to seek the presence of God for an hour and a half. I want to be a presence-driven family, people. Moses' heart's like, I'm addicted to your presence. Got to have it. Why? Here's why. Write this down. Because your opportunities are usually disguised as opposition. And Moses knows, I'm going to fight some battles taking this promised land, but I can't win these battles without you with me, oh God. And many of your next level in life is going to go through warfare. It's going to go through you having to advance to the next place. But you can't win those battles without God's presence. God, I need your presence. Saul and David, one man after God's own heart, one man who lost the kingdom. What's the difference? I would say it's the presence of God. Think about it. Saul and David, same type of men, same thing, same small background, same small family, same discounted beginning, same call to be king, same placement by God into the kingship, same mistakes, except David's were greater. David did way more horrific things than Saul ever could have done. But David was a man after God's heart. Saul lost it all. Why? When Samuel became uh, on the scene and rebuked Saul, uh, Saul looked at him and said, you know what? You're right. I failed. I messed up. Samuel said, you've blown it. Saul said, but, but Samuel, please listen to me. Just don't take the kingdom and just don't take the palace and just don't take the people and just please go out with me, Samuel, and don't let the people know that I messed up because I don't want to look a certain way in front of them. And I don't want them to think that God's left me. Just would you just go out with me so that my reputation stays intact? When David blows it and sleeps with a girl from the roof next door and kills her husband with a band of his warriors, does horrific crimes against humanity. When David does that and the prophet Nathan comes to rebuke him and stands up in his face, he says, you're the man, David. And David says, oh, God, you can take the palace. You can take the promises. You can take the power, you can take the influence, you can take the kingdom I've built, you can take all of it, but please, oh God, just don't take your presence from me. Just don't take your presence. I'm addicted to your presence. You can have it all, and in this day and age, in this culture, what do we devote ourselves to 
at the cost of everything. I think that we need to be addicted to the right thing. David got caught, but it wasn't about their actions. It was about the posture of their devotion and the addiction of their heart. They craved the presence of God. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all else will be added. Hear me. There's going to be things added, but he says, seek first. Order determines outcome. Order determines outcome. There's going to be other devotions. That's why there's a Ten Commandment. One of them says, have no other gods before me. Have no other gods before me. You're going to have other devotions. You're going to have other addictions. God knows that. You're designed for that. But he says, I ask you, desire, actually demand of you to make me the first devotion and the first addiction and the first thing you order your life around. It's okay to have others. Order determines outcome. And so, so many of us, we need to have the first love back. Seek first the kingdom, the first fruits of our finances, the first fruits of our labor, the first cravings. That's why it's so important to have God first. Here's why. What you feed first determines what you crave next. Come on, anybody who eats healthy for a lot of the week, and then you come to that little thing you call cheat day. You've worked out, you've ate healthy. You've worked out, you've ate healthy. You want to go work out again because you ate healthy. You don't want to eat bad because you worked out. And then you get into that little cycle. So you're feeding first and craving next. And then Friday comes and it's cheat day and you get a little pizza on Friday night, somebody. What's the next thing you crave right after the pizza? Ice cream. And your cheat day turns into, I'll start on Monday. Turns into, come on, start on Monday, people. Where am I start on Monday, people? Come on. It's because you, what you fed first is determined what you crave next. And many of you are wondering why you have such wrong cravings. It's because you're feeding that thing first. And then what you've tried to do to kill the craving is starve it. But you can't live in starvation mode. And so you've been trying to exist in the kingdom in starvation mode to kill the things that you shouldn't crave, but you've never fed the right thing first that'll actually make you feed on the right thing next. And so I I think order and cravings matter so much. And I personally am going, okay, God, let me feed the right thing first. I want to love the presence of God. Here's what I wrote down Uh, to love the presence of God. I'll push past my personal hindrances and distractions and wade into the deep waters of God's presence with my praise, with my worship, and with an open heart of expectation. I'll go deeper. I will thirst. I will worship the Father. I'll lift my hands. I'll sing praises, and I will love, and I will surrender to the presence of God. So some of us, when we were singing that heart, I opened up my heart. That was a song of surrender. Some of us have a hard time getting in that atmosphere and actually surrendering to just him and being with him. I got a picture of what surrender to someone's presence looks like. Look at this picture real quick. That's Daisy dog. That's my wife's dog. She hates everybody else in the family. She follows my wife around. She doesn't hate everybody, but she doesn't love everybody like she loves my wife. It's either love or hate. There's no line in the middle, right? So she loves my wife fully. This is her. I'm standing there. I walked into the laundry room, and, I, and that's, that's, every time I walk in the room, that's what she does. Whether we're going on a walk, whether I'm trying to feed her, whether, I, whether we're not doing anything, I walk into the room, and she turns up, paws up, and just begins to look at me with these eyes like, what are you going to do now? And, and, and it's just this, this surrender to my presence. I'm not mad at her there. I'm not scolding her. Uh, I just, she could be just laying on the couch and I walk into the room and she just turns up, paws up and says, Hey, and you know what I do? I think she knows I go and I walk over to her and I start going, tickling her tummy. I'm like, ah, you little lazy daisy. You look like, 
you little stink dog, you little stink ball. She stinks. <laughs> she, she surrendered to my presence. That's what, that's what God's asking you to do. That when he walks in the room, when he comes in the midst of our worship, when he walks into your devotional moment in the morning, when you be, just that you pause up like, God, okay, I'm here. Hey, Dad, hey, what's up? Hey. You know what he does? You little stinker. That's what God does. No matter where you're going, where you're heading, if you've done good, if you've done bad, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He just wants to get involved as you surrender to his presence. Obed-Edom was a man that was surrendered to God's presence. He was a presence lover. I'm going to talk about him, and then I'm going to talk about the Tower of Babel for a minute, and then I'm going to end today with some prayer. And I'm going to believe God. I had a vision in prayer this morning um, of a ship, like a giant cruise ship or warship that had a giant chain anchor. You know, the big giant chains that come out from those ships to anchor them. I had a picture of many of your lives with that anchor, that chain, that giant chain attached to your life, sinking down into the ocean. I just had a picture of it. And God spoke to me and said that many of you have chained or devoted yourself to things that you think will keep you safe. That when the storms of life hit and when the waves of life hit, you've dropped anchor and you're chained to some devotions that you think have brought you protection. But he's saying, I want to break those chains in your life through praise, actually. And that through that, you could actually begin to set sail for what God has for your life. And so that's my prayer at the end for you today. But, but being a presence lover is so important. Obed-Edom was a presence lover. The story is interesting. He's, he's not well known in scripture. I've got to jump. I'm going to go through it fast, kind of just give you a recap. Uh, he's not well known, but he loves the presence of God. He's a Kohathite. Uh, he's a Levite. He loves God's presence. Um, he is, is, is just minding his business at his house. The presence of God was the tabernacle. It was the, 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 it was the ark of God. Let me say it that way. The ark of God was the presence of God. The ark symbolized God's voice, God's presence, God's protection, God's favor. It was in the tabernacle of Moses, in the Holy of Holies, in God's presence. It was the altar of God. The ark got captured by the Philistines for 20 years. God's presence was removed from God's people. God forbid. It was removed when they would mess up. Then God would come in and give them discipline. And then he would give them mercy. And then he would give them discipline. It's just this cycle. And so the presence is taken captive 20 years with the Philistines. It's bad. They're getting tumors. Stuff's happening in their life. It's horrific because they're not godly. And so all this is happening. They're like, we don't want this ark. Get rid of it. So they try to send it back. They send it back on a cart. It lands at a guy named Abinadab's house. Abinadab takes it in. Abinadab is Saul's son. Uh, Abinadab had the Ark of God's covenant in his house, God's presence in his house for 13 years. The Bible does not say one thing about that man's house being blessed. Actually, he died in battle with his father 13 years after the presence had been at his house. He was a Levite. But then the Bible records that David wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the focus. David begins to bring it. 30,000 soldiers, dancers, singers, musicians. David brings it in. The Ark stumbles. They're trying to bring it in the wrong way. It's on a new cart. It, it matters how you carry God's presence. And the presence is coming in. It stumbles. A guy touches the Ark. He dies because you can't touch stuff you're not called to touch. He dies. And David said, God forbid, I, I can't do this. I'm not even holy enough. What do I do? The Bible records he turns aside. David takes the ark, turns aside, and takes it to a guy named Obed-Edom's house that no one's ever heard of. And the Bible says that Obed-Edom's house is blessed beyond anybody's else. All of his household is blessed for three months as the presence is there. It's amazing. Here's what I want you to catch. Abinadab 
has the presence for 13 years and not one mention of blessing in his life. Obed-Edom has the presence for three months. And it says everything in his life changed. Why? Because he was addicted to it. He was devoted to it. You can come to church and you can sit around it. You can come and be a spectator of it. You can make a decision to go, you know what? I'm going to devote my life to it. I'm going to arrange. And there's a difference in the outcome. This man begins to have some things happen in his life. Here's what can happen in your life. Number one, surprise opportunities show up. The Bible says that King David took the ark and brought it to a guy's house that no one knew. He wasn't on anybody's radar. These surprise opportunities show up. It says that King David took it aside. Can I tell you that God's trying to bless you from the side and you keep looking ahead? Like, like you're thinking God has to bless you this way. This is how it has to happen. God's going, I'm going to sneak up on the side, baby. I'm going to sneak up and bless you from the side. God loves to surprise you, let you in on his plans, give you a direction, give you his glory, show you who he is, and do some things which you weren't expecting when you become a presence lover. He blesses him from the side. He wasn't expecting it. Second thing that happens, the divine season settles on him. When you become a presence lover, divine seasons of God's favor and blessing set on you. For three months, three months only, the Bible says the presence of God dwelt there, and everything he touched was blessed. Everything about his house was blessed. I just, there's seasons in life. God's a seasoned creator and he's a seasoned changer. I don't know what season you're in, but would you just become devoted to God's presence? Don't worry about the outcome. Worry about being devoted to him and watch how God blesses you in specific seasons. It's powerful. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says to everything there's a season. Galatians 6.9 says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. Come on, you're always devoted. You're always going and not growing weary. You're always doing that, but in due season. Let us not grow weary, but in due season you shall reap a harvest. That there's gonna be a season for you that's personal, that's kairos, that's God's timing pertaining to you, a divinely marked season. There's increased blessing that's released over your life. This isn't selfish, this is God. When you really decide, I'm going to devote my life, arrange and order my life about his presence, all of a sudden, his whole entire house is blessed. Not just his money, his marriage, his house, his children, everything around him. I pray this over my kids all the time. Lord, would you speak blessing over them? Would you bless their life? Proverbs 10, says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. I mean, that's not just finances. That's God increase my friendships. Increase the grace of my life. Increase my peace. Increase my money too. <laughs> Come on, somebody. God, increase, overflow. Like, let your blessing make me rich and add no sorrow to it. I know a lot of rich people that have sorrow in it. But God says his blessing makes us rich with no sorrow. This is a good one. This is one of my favorite. When we begin to devote ourselves to the presence of God, we get addicted to the presence of God. So that's kind of like, like, what do you mean? Like, you're talking about being addicted to it. I know, but you get addicted to it. And what do we know about addiction? Dosage has to go up when you're addicted. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Who started with two shots in their coffee at Starbucks? And now you're up to six. Come on. Where, where, where are my, my two-shot espresso people? Come on, two shots of espresso. All the two shots in the house. Where my, where my four and greater? Where my, where my four shots and up? Come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. No judgment in the house. Come on, I see some hands. Some of y'all are lying. You want to raise your hand? Where my any ten shot people in the house? Come on, where? 
My God in heaven. Okay, man, love you. We need you on the worship team, man. Let's go. Ten shots. I had a guy the other day, he said, I, I don't even like to use the bathroom on planes, so I just drink six shots before I get on the plane, so I'm just ready to go. I mean, some of y'all, some of y'all, you have your whole day ordered around when you're going to drink coffee. Like, well, I can't go, I can't drink it after 2.17 because I know I won't be able to go to sleep by 5.17. Y'all, <laughs> you addicted. The, the point is, it's okay. Like, like, addiction demands dosage. And so, as we worship God, as we get devoted to God, the dosage begins to go up. We got encounter night Wednesday. I need dosage. How, how do I know that Obed-Edom was addicted? Because he moved from his house to Jerusalem. Chronicles says that he became a gatekeeper, that he decided to pick up his home. He decided that I was so marked by the presence of God, that the house of God and my personal house are intertwined, that if my house is blessed, God's house is blessed, that I'm going to go. I'm a gatekeeper. There were no gates in the tabernacle of David. He was a man that stood in the gates of what it knew to get to the presence of God. Thanksgiving and praise shall be the way into the house and the presence of God. He became a gatekeeper and addicted his life from there on out to living in Jerusalem, gatekeeping for the presence of God. And as you and I begin to be devoted to the presence of God, you're going to build your life on one or two things. Pride or praise. That's all. Tower of Babel, it fell. Why? They said, let us build a city. Here's three deadly devotions. Let us build our city. Let us build our name. And let us not scatter. God said, I want you to scatter over the earth. They did three things. I'm going to build my city. Many of you have built your own thing, your own walls, your own protection because you've been hurt and now you're building your own thing around you. I'm going to build my name. Come on, build a brand. Build a brand. Got to build a brand. Come on, there's billions of dollars spent to build a brand to make people think we're someone we're not. To inflate our brand. Not our identity, but our brand. Build a brand. And then, and then I'm not going to scatter. God comes down. He says, they're not scattering. So he confuses them. He puts a guy from Alabama next to a guy from Boston, and they don't know how to, they can't talk. <laughs> Their languages are confused. Can I, can I tell you that some of the confusion in your life is, is, is safety from God getting you, stopping you from building the wrong thing? Some of the confusion is God going, I don't want you to build around that. They're building around the wrong thing. New Testament, they give songs of the spirit because they're getting around building God's kingdom and they begin to unify. I just want to say this. You're going to build. It's fine. Listen, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We knew their name, but it says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My point is you were never designed to hold praise. You were designed to give praise. And so you're going to build a name. You're going to build a brand. You're going to build a city. We're going to build a church. You're going to build a family. But let all those devotions point to the greater thing we're called to build, the name of Jesus, the greatest top shelf name above all names. There's all types of Names for praise. You and I aren't meant to hold praise. Satan tried to hold praise and he was cast down. I don't want your family cast down. I don't want your business cast down. I don't want your marriage cast down. I want you giving praise. Babel was all about, look at me, praise me. The kingdom is all about praise Jesus. Devote my life to him. That we use all these mini brands to point to the greatest brand. There's words for praise. I got seven of them, but I don't, I don't have time to get into all of them. One is called halal praise. 
There's seven original Hebrew words for praise. Halal. It actually means to, to rave glamorously and ridiculously about God. Come on, maybe you just get a little halal in the break room at work. Oh man, bless him. Man. God's so good. Oh, that God bless me. Maybe you just begin to rave about God. One is, one is tequila praise. Not tequila. <laughs> tequila means shout loud to God. I know tequila will make you shout loud too. But, but tequila is Hebrew. <laughs> and it means shout loud to God. He's like, well, I don't really sing loud because I'm worried about what my neighbor will think. You know, you know what this praise means? It means praise beyond your level of cool. Praise beyond worrying about what your neighbor thinks about how you sound. It means, it means like how you go to that concert and start singing out of tune when, when that, when, you know, whatever that person is that you love is singing, like, like sing that way to God. There's another one that means lift, lift your hands. There's literally in the Hebrew, lift your hands in the air. Some of you guys will never lift your hands. It's not because we're contemporary and we're, we worship like this because it's a, it's a biblical prescription and God ordered it. God asked for it. That you would praise him with lifted hands. Some of y'all are like, I'm never, goes, that's just not my style. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Really, listen, I'm, I'm telling you seriously. If he orders a medium rare filet in the middle, you, we give him what he orders. We don't give him what we think tastes good and what we like when he orders a steak. We give him the steak that he ordered. I want it medium rare in the middle. Come on, somebody. And I want, God wants it that way. I'm going to give him what he ordered. God, I love you and I worship you. Praise him with extended hands. I had a guy years ago get on to me. He's like, well, I'm just not like that. I'm more like, he told me this quote. He goes, you're more like David Lee Roth in worship. I'm more like James Taylor. That's what he said. I go, well, James Taylor, they all have them, them lighters in the air. Somebody, you go, put your hands up then, James. <laughs> That's what I told him. There's just a power in praise. I want to pray for you to maybe order some of your devotions today and arrange some of your addictions around the presence of God. And I really believe that those chains on your life, the anchors that I've think that some of us have that we've devoted to, that we think keep us safe and steady in the storms. I think God wants to break some of those today. Would you stand to your feet with me just for a second? And if you believe that God deserves the loudest praise and hands in the air and radically and raving about him, come on, let's give him the loudest shout of praise. Come on, give him everything you got in this room. But would you break chains? Would you break addictions that aren't yours? Would you reorder devotions for us? Would you're worthy of praise and thanksgiving and honor? We enter your courts with praise. Lord, break every chain. Break every addiction. This is not ordered for your glory, God. And we say that we give you our devotion. We order our steps today. You've already ordered our steps. We order our life. We order our heart again. Going into this season of the fall, Lord, there's so many things. There's amazing things. Lord, we're going to win SEC championships. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win ball games. We're going to you know, see our children win games. We're going to see kids go to college and start new grades. We're going to start new endeavors. We're going to see marriages successful. Lord, but in all of that, Lord, we point it all to you first. We devote and order our life to you first. I pray that for every person in the room. And just for another second, maybe you've never surrendered your life to him. The ultimate act of praise is a surrendered life to Jesus. Maybe you're carrying guilt and shame. Maybe you're carrying regret. Maybe you're carrying your own mistakes and sins. We all have them. The difference about those that have surrendered to Jesus is we've given them to him 
He's given us his life and his leadership. Maybe you're in this room today. Nobody looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you just for a second. If you say today, pastor, I'm ready to surrender my life. I know I need a fresh start with God. Today is my day. I'm giving my life to him. Would you put your hand up high and boldly to me so I can pray for you? Today's my day. Thank you. God bless you, sir. I'm not playing games any longer. I'm giving my life and devotion to him. Come on. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. I need a fresh start with God. I'm letting go of shame, regret, and guilt. I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? If you're watching online or in this room, let's pray right now. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, my heart is lifted up to you. Thank you for taking my sin, taking my shame, taking my regret, taking all of that and nailing it to that cross. Thank you for coming back to life and raising from the dead. I surrender my life to you because you're the one that conquered death. You are God and there is no other. I believe it. Fill me with your power to be devoted and serve you the rest of my days. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, give God one more shout of praise in this place. I love y'all so much. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.